Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. I gotta find a way to download that song so we can just keep dancing through when we come up on the screen. But welcome everybody to a brand new episode <laughs> of the Geek Bites. As uh, Lord Shannon McClung might say, happy Boxing Day for everybody there. Uh, this is going to be a fun conversation here for What If Season 2, Episodes 4 and 5. This is Geek Bites brought to you by the... Yo, we're doing a geek! Geek! Buddies! Oh, that was, guys, that was a... Uh, for the day after Christmas, that was a... Uh, <laughs> that was a rough one. Shannon's coughing up his, uh, his, his, his cookie martini. Oh yeah, you missed it, Johnny. I oh yeah, experimented with a new drink and made a sugar cookie, sugar or Christmas cookie martini. Ooh, damn, that sounds good. It's delicious. Oh my! All right, now let's. Uh, hey, in the uh, in honor of Boxing Day, let's try and unbox that one again. Give it to us again, Johnny. <laughs> All right, welcome to a brand new episode of the Geek Bites, brought to you by the Geek Bunnies. <gasps> Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back, everybody. We hope you all had a wonderful uh, Christmas, however you chose to spend December 25th. We hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for those of you watching our reviews almost every day. We did skip, skip yesterday because we just felt like we should give ourselves a day to relax and enjoy Christmas with our friends and family. But now we are back to do a double dose of reviews of What If for Season f- uh, 2, Episodes 4 and 5 here. What a couple of uh, episodes we got here. What if Iron Man crashed in the Grandmaster? And what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? So a lot going on here. And let's focus on the first one here, Episode 4, What If Iron Man Crashed in the Grandmaster? This one focusing on Iron Man not going through the portal there, back to NYC at the end of the first Avengers movie, and instead landing on Sakaar, Battling the Grandmaster with Topaz there, who is a hilarious Rachel House, uh, going in cahoots with both um, uh, with uh, with uh, Valkyrie there and um, oh god, what is Taiki with TDs? Korg and and, and Gamora uh, giving Gamora some ability to break free from her father, and then later attacking Thanos to end the episode. So, Mike, I go to you first. What did you think of this? Is a Christmas episode. We essentially got Mad Max and Mario Kart combined together on Sakaar here with some great Jeff Goldblum stuff. What was your feeling overall in this episode? 
Well, it's good. I mean, so this is the lost season one episode. Mm. Um, this is the yep. episode that we did not get That's in right. season one. Yes. Um, and after watching it, I'm assuming because they just didn't finish this episode. Because doing an episode <laughs> like this with all of the racing and all of the car action yeah. and all of it, like that, it was... For a show that already does a great job with their animation, I think this one probably even strained the animation team in season one. So I kind of <laughs> have a, I have a feeling in my gut that's why we had to wait till season two. But they did add a little bit of a preamble from the Watcher that kind of made it make sense. Like, hey, remember that Gamora who was part of the Guardians of the Multiverse and you never really knew her story? Eh, let's give it to you now. So, um, so you know, it was interesting. But uh, I, I kind of thought the one-two punch, I'm kind of glad that we're reviewing both of these together because mm. I think this does kind of represent uh, the best parts of season one. And I think the next episode that we're going to talk about mm -hmm. uh, really kicks season two into high gear in a big way. So this one was a lot of fun. It kind of was what if Avengers and Thor Ragnarok got mashed up together? You know, you got yeah. Tony Stark on Sakaar instead of Thor. Um, no Hulk, but you did basically get, you know, uh, Revolution Against the Grandmaster with Valkyrie mm. and Corrigan Toe, and you wrapped in all of the Tony Stark story from Avengers and ultimately his beef with Thanos. And I think right. that uh, bringing it all together and, to your point, basically going full Mad Max Mario Kart <laughs> was kind of a blast. I mean... First of all, I think just putting Jeff Goldblum in a record booth and say go is pretty much a win. So uh, we got a whole lot of Grandmaster. And whereas I could have used a little bit less Kat Dennings in our uh, Happy Hogan Saving Christmas episode, could have taken even more Jeff Goldblum being completely ridiculous. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't, you know, I, it's interesting watching this knowing it was a season one episode. Yeah. I do feel like as much as I thought this was a very fun and satisfying episode, I don't think it's quite as good as the other ones. I think I'm really enjoying Ooh. season two even more than season one. So it definitely was fun, um, but uh, not not my tops of the season. Yeah, Shannon, we've seen battles over whether something should be called a filler episode or not. We've seen you know writers and people on social media who are involved in the production of shows push back on that term for an episode and be mad when people call it a filler episode. This feels very much like a filler episode, if anything is going to qualify for it. Because as Michael alluded to, this is a, a lost episode from season one, not really staying in the vein of what they're going for in season two. But the animation here is still glorious. The action sequences, the racing action sequences, there was a lot of fun. And it's interesting to look back because this is set at the time right after the Avengers. So it's a different Tony Stark who is still in full snark mode going back and forth with the Grandmaster, who is in full snark mode himself. Interesting back and forth, but then at the end, he's the one kind of leading Gamora here. He's the one making sure Valkyrie becomes the president at the end there and uh, uh, siding with Korg, and then in the end, uh, teaming up with Gamora to go after Thanos. So an interesting episode for sure, even though it feels kind of out of step with what we've gotten so far in season two. What did you think, man? I mean, I... I I don't know if I would go as far to say out of step, but okay. it is it is a cotton candy episode. Mm. I mean, it when when you've gotten you know the first three that we have gotten, like there has been like with uh, uh, with the Nebula episode, yeah. you had this very strong you know stylistic choice with the you know Avengers eighty eight. You know, we just kind of got the best of this one is just fun. 
This one is just yeah. to have some fun. Sure. Um, but the idea that it was kind of a, a holdover from season one, it's like, oh, okay, this that you kind of put this like that Thor throws a rager party episode. It's like, yeah, <laughs> this is this is kind of like that. Yeah, like this yeah. is just this is just a good time. And the thing that What If really affords us is the opportunity to see characters who didn't get to meet in the movies and will never meet in the movies. Um, and who knew that like Tony Stark and the Grandmaster going back and forth. <sighs> Dude. was going to be as enjoyable as it was. And also, Tony Stark never met Gamora. I mean, right. you, know, you forget that they they yeah. are in the movies at the same time, but they never they never actually meet. So this gives us mm. that dynamic that is really really strong and also one of the things that we you know we miss about Robert Downey Jr. are those Tony Stark one-liners. Mm -hmm. And I can just see that you know the the whiteboard in the writers room being like, "All right, Gamora's green. What would he say to her?" And it's yeah. like, let, let's call her Lady Grinch. Let's call, you know, let's call her Oscar the Grouch. Like all these things. And so for that, it was super, super fun. But I, I do agree that, w especially with what we're going to get in the next episode, I mean, there is some emotional depth that might not be as apparent in this one. <laughs> Although there was the, sorry, there was the parent-child thing, which yeah. was a big deal mm -hmm. on the, in the first two phase, two or three phases of Avenger, of the MCU, this idea of dealing with the trauma of a parent, you know, whether it's Thor or Iron Man or, uh, uh, no, I guess not really Captain America, but other characters dealing with that. Even Black Widows, we found out later in the most recent phase, her issues with her pseudo mom and dad. So clearly the father or daughter, uh, sorry, the parent-child thing is still a big deal here as it becomes a central part. Mike, you wanted to chime no, in? Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, just to be clear, yeah. um, this episode works great. Yeah, like, oh, no, you know, I'm about yeah. I'm about halfway through Rebel Moon right now. And if you want to talk about something with no emotional depth, like <sighs> we could you. talk about that. But you're right. Like, <laughs> I, I just want to be clear that even though this one doesn't stack up to me against the other ones, like there is a very strong like it makes sense. Like Tony Stark, as you pointed out, his dad issues carry all the way from Iron Man one mm. into Avengers Endgame. Like that is yeah, a thing. True. And Gamora as another is another character that is absolutely defined by a very fraught and complicated relationship with her father figure. Yeah. So the idea of like, what if Tony got to meet Gamora very early on and kind of inspired her in a different way and yeah. those two coming together, it's a great idea. And everything he's saying to her in that final race as they're kind of all in the midst of all the action, like, mm -hmm. I think it all works. It's just ultimately, I think what you're seeing with season two is a team that both from the writing, because this happens, I mean, even though as Shannon had said, I think they kind of just went through and wrote and animated yeah. all of these. I don't think there was a huge gap, but as you go, you get stronger and stronger. The writing becomes more self-assured. The animation becomes stronger. So I do think the other episodes we're seeing are a bit stronger, but yeah, it all works and it's very, very fun and satisfying. It's just yeah. not as fun and satisfying as the others. Well, and I think some of the beats still work, right, Shannon? I mean, because in the end, uh, uh, it is Tony Stark who takes out Thanos in Avengers Endgame. And here it is Tony Stark with Gamora taking out Thanos, it seems like. Although he seems to be unbothered by the Topaz stick hitting him uh, and maybe he dies there maybe he doesn't uh but you also see the beats where gamora is you know stepping away from her father doing her own thing that's repetitive to what we've seen in the mcu and valkyrie being left in charge of sakar like she was left in charge of new asgard so these beats feel similar just in a different place so it still feels like something maybe subconsciously we know from the mcu but yet put in a different uh location and how much would you love to see a sakar 
series, like even a mini series on the MCU on uh, Disney Plus, rather. Yeah. Well, it would depend who was in it. Yeah, because um, yeah. that's I mean, the setting is great, but ultimately, if the characters were not that invested in, it's kind of like, oh, okay, you got you got some great backdrops. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, I did really like the the callbacks that they had, especially to Thor Ragnarok, with everything that kind of hit on Valkyrie mm. um, as she's walking away from the car exploding. It's a it's a you know beat for beat shot of her walking on the bridge at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, watching watching Tessa Thompson get another get another swing at this role after yeah. her last swing, no fault of hers. It wasn't entirely satisfying for me with Love and Thunder. But the idea that uh, this is someone uh, who's uh. destined. The Marvels. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, excuse me. Excuse. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. That. I forgot those ninety seconds. <laughs> but but also stands up. Yeah, <laughs> the, true, the last true. couple swings have not been as satisfying. Right. But this is a character who is kind of kind of destined for leadership. Like she doesn't necessarily yeah. want it, but you see, she's actually the right person to have in charge. So I mean, I thought thematically. Um, I, I thought that was really nice. And again, to what Vogel said, like from a writing standpoint, like, yes, every, every, all the boxes are checked. Everything makes sense. Yeah. Um, but as, as he already uh, uh, aptly put you, the, the further you get into with, with some of these characters, the bigger risks you take um, and the more comfortable you get. So you, that's yeah. why typically you do get some better written episodes in a second season. Mike, you want yeah, to and I do. Well, I just think it, one of the things that makes what if work, there's two different kind of avenues you go down with these types uh -huh. of stories. And I think we're seeing a lot of what really works, which is for the most part, what's satisfying about what if is taking a character that we know, yeah. throwing them in, in an entirely different situation and watching them still end up where they would always end up. There's something very humanly satisfying about this idea that people are sort of destined or meant mm. to be who they are, that, that yeah. no matter what happens, Gamora, yep. we've seen it three times now between the live action movies and here. Like Gamora will always go good at the end. Yes, right. No matter right. what, yeah. Gamora at the end of the day, whether it's because of her own choice, because of Nebula, because of Tony Stark, goes good. Like really? Peter Quill, even if he met Ego and Yondu never met him, ultimately is going to be a hero. Like right. there's something very satisfying about that idea. And even what we're going to see in the next episode with, uh, with Peggy and Steve, like there's just mm -hmm. this idea that like, no matter what the universe, no matter what the situation, certain of our heroes will always go hero no matter what. And there's something that's very satisfying about that. I think that's what's always made the what ifs a lot. Like you can do the opposite mm -hmm. where somebody goes down a very different road and that's a different yeah. kind of story, but kind of that idea of our heroes are always going to be our heroes no matter what. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what made the what if comics work for the most part. And I think that's what we see in the majority of the episodes that we watch in season one and two, not all of them, right. but a lot of the times you're just like, yeah, my guy or my girl, no matter what you put them through, no matter what planet they end up on. Yeah. Like Tony Stark was like, I'm going to save this planet because he's Tony Stark. Good point. Shannon, uh, you're our action guy real quick. Did you like all the, both of the action sequences here uh, in the, um, on the, in the arena there, both of the races, the Mario Kart, Mad Max races. Did you like them? Of course. I mean, super fun. I mean, the, the, again, the idea that this was potentially the reason that the episode wasn't included in season one totally makes sense because already the animation in this show is absolutely gorgeous. You can yeah. tell they're spending a lot of money on it. Yeah. And when you have that many moving parts in terms of a big racing action set piece, um, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, the, the satisfaction when he's walking out in his suit at the end and they give him the chariot and I'm like, huh. <laughs> 
I really thought that that suit was going to transform in about halfway through. Like, all right, I was correct. Um, yeah, and even just using the light of the arc reactor through the the oh, right. the, yes. the, the the car that that his suit changes into, that is just one of those kind of nice design touches because it's like, yeah, that's the thing that's powering everything, and that's the thing that gives him that extra little bit of juice there at the end. Yeah, just super super fun. Well, Michael, you talk about uh, characters to get a chance. Oh, Shannon was mentioning characters to get a chance to shine again. I thought Rachel House was great here as Topaz, getting another chance to have some fun with this character. We talked about Jeff Goldblum already, but talk to me about, as we wrap up here, this episode review, Mick Wingard, Taika Waititi, uh, and Cynthia K. McWilliams, who uh, you can currently hear as Vicky Vale in Merry Little Batman that's out uh, on a Prime Video. Uh, and you can also see her on Bosch. She's one of my favorite characters on Bosch when she pops up. So, what did you think of uh, the voiceover work overall? Anybody stand out for you besides Goldblum? And, and what did you think of Winger? I mean, Winger does a great job. Winger yeah. really nails that Tony Stark vibe. He doesn't sound exactly like Robert right, Downey right, Jr., right, right. but he definitely, from a personality and selling those lines standpoint, he's got that line delivery really, really down. So definitely a really, really sort of noble effort at uh, bringing us a different kind of Tony Stark. You know, we talk so much about it's great when we get the actual actors in there, yeah. um, but those that handful of actors, uh, he, like Bell, Josh Keaton, the other ones that are coming in kind of filling those gaps, they all do a really, really, really nice job. Um, Topaz, and Grandmaster are just a great comic duo. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it reminds me of when they were developing Aladdin back in the day, and uh, Jafar was a really explosive personality that yelled a lot, but then they cast Gilbert Gottfried as Iago, and, and they realized having two characters that yell a lot isn't funny. Mm. But having a character that yells a lot next to a character that's very calm and collected, and they just flipped it here, like Grandmaster being as crazy as he is, and then Topaz just being like, yep, nope. <laughs> Like, it just, it works great. And they just sort of, they, they, they definitely captured that. And I think what's great for all the actors in this episode is for as much as this is an all out action episode and you just have the cars and the explosions and the rate, like it's just all over the top. It is also a very, very funny episode. I yeah. mean, the one-liners are just flying left and right, and the comic timing is all over the place. And between Grandmaster Topaz and Korg, uh, all by themselves, you're just like, it, it is chock full of ridiculous lines. And yeah. that personality is kind of just what makes it more than just a, okay, let's like heroes showed up and save the day. I mean, yeah. uh, Tony saying he has to get back to Pepper and Korg saying he's more of a salt guy. Like it's <laughs> just like these ridiculous, stupid lines um, that again, it's been, you know, you go on Twitter, like yeah. half of Twitter is like, oh, Marvel's too cheesy with the one-liners. But then I would argue that's one of the reasons that made Marvel as successful is it's yeah. not just action and superheroes. There's a lot of really fun humor, personality, and character. And I think this episode sort of uh, has the best of both within it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shannon, any thoughts on, on the voiceover work here as we wrap up? I mean, Rachel going, uh, everyone's screaming for their lives over that uh, over that slide. And her's going, we... I mean, there's a little moments that are just great. Yeah, so what do you think of the voiceover stuff yourself? I mean, again, with uh, Mick Winger, like he, yeah. he does a really, really good job. I mean, when you can't have Robert Downey Jr., you want someone who has the same pace, the same cadence at that line delivery, yeah, even yeah. if the even if the voice itself isn't a one for one. It's still really, really strong work. Um, yeah, Korg, I mean, Taika Waititi, like, 
I, I think Korg in the animated world really, really fits yeah. when he calls Gamora a vile asparagus woman. <laughs> I mean, that's just one of those sort of multi-syllabic insults that's so stupid, but it's so, so funny. Yeah. Um, and and Jeff Goldblum, man, I like I, getting to see Robert Downey Jr. and Jeff Goldblum go back and forth oh um, would have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is this is a really, really strong. This is a really, really strong silver medal because, again, the two of them together, yeah. Jeff Goldblum's great in a booth. You know how they have those shirts where they have all the names of the characters on the shirt? I want all the names yeah. for Iron Man that he has that he refuses to say his actual name on a shirt. Oh, my God. I think that would be hilarious. What do they end up calling him? Boom Boom Man? Like, yeah, Boom Boom, like, boom, boom, boom Man. <laughs> well, and I also do love, like, because one of my favorite parts about uh, Infinity War yeah. is Tony Stark's just complete frustration that space is full of fucking idiots. Yeah, right, right, I right. Mean, yeah. I mean, Tony Stark dealing with the Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the funniest, I mean, it's that it's that meme, it's that gif of Robert Downey Jr.'s face when he's dealing with Star-Lord <laughs> where he's just like, <laughs> and I just love that Marvel has sort of maintained that like in the Marvel universe. So you take yeah. Tony Stark at an earlier point in his life and you put him next to the Grandmaster on Sakaar and he's kind of like, what the fuck is up with space? Like everyone's a moron. Like I mean, and Jeff Goldblum's whole. Oh no, no, those aren't those aren't uh, race cars. Those are chariots. Uh, they, I, I get it. They're very similar. And you're, and him just being like, the fuck is going on? So I'm glad that they maintained that sort of yeah, Tony Stark uh, <laughs> abject confusion. Yeah. No matter where you go, you're going to find stupid people. I, people just have this illusion like, oh, it's out in space. They got to be smarter than us. Uh, look, if we can capture aliens down here, which supposedly we've been doing for about decades, they can't be that smart. All right, let's take a break. We're going to jump into the other episode here, episode five here on the other side. Uh, you know what? Right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of the Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents that's right three months for only 99 cents with the code buddies b-u-d-d-i-e-s simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code buddies to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv get three months for just 99 cents visit marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now use code buddies explore the extensive library of performances on marquee tv today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at marquee tv on social media as a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Couldn't decide on one. Okay, love it. Oh, by the way, the writers for episode four want to give love because we've been talking about the witty repartee. Wouldn't be able to do it without great writing. They're AC Bradley, Jim Starlin, and Brian Andrews directed that episode. Going into episode five here, what if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? This one's directed by Brian Andrews, written by AC Bradley solo. So, Shannon, go to you first. I went to Michael first on the last one. What did you think of this one as we dealt with? Peggy, we're picking up the uh, the storylines from the last season here, bringing it into this. It looks like we're heading into a, a multi-arc story here by the end of this particular episode, but definitely one that focuses on Captain Carter in the future now or in the present day of that universe, teaming up with Black Widow here, trying to stop the Hydra Stomper, trying to save Steve. We get Melina, we get the Red Room, we get the Black Widows, and then by the end, uh, we get Melina and Steve crashing into the Red Room, destroying it. And a new duo is formed, but before they can take off, uh, Captain Carter falls through a hole into a Ren Fair sometime in the past, and uh, we got ourselves maybe the beginning of a multi arc. So, what do you think of this particular episode? Uh, what stood out to you? So, Vogel had to remind me this is the one we saw at Comic Con in 2022. Oh, this is the nice. episode that they actually played, okay. and so in that crowd, which you know we were only about a year out from black widow we were still very much in the heyday oh, of, of 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 the mcu um so hearing jeffrey wright saying you know he doesn't normally do sequels like it really surprised me that they didn't actually start the season with this one mm. um or maybe because it sort of teed up that it was going to be more connected, more of a running uh, story than we're actually getting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was great. I mean, this is this is the Natasha who her planet, her reality was gone because of the zombies. So now she's in Captain Carter's reality yeah. with the rest of the this this group of Avengers. Um, yeah, this was really this was just really nice. I mean, the the Steve Peggy relationship that is the purest uh, cinematic romance that we have in in the, in the marvel cinematic universe i mean I, I maybe along with tony and pepper but it's really that steve yeah. peggy dynamic that is just so sweet and so wholesome and in almost every reality they're always kept apart so getting to revisit this story getting the winter soldier shoes on different feet how it's natasha going jogging and the, the one with the super soldier picking her up in the car i mean there were just so many nice callbacks and 
Uh, I, I think in hindsight, uh, Black Widow is a much better movie than we probably gave it credit for. I mean, I think I like, the third yeah, act, third act, third act's a little wobbly. Um, but there's still a lot of really good stuff in Black Widow, and this one, this one got to kind of uh, uh, use that to its to its maximum efficiency. And again, getting to see Steve and Peggy together again, and that realization that Steve um, can't live without that suit. Um, it's the idea that it's presented early in the episode. Like, it's just nice. It's just, yeah. it was just a nice episode. And the tee up for the future, the future run is very exciting. Yeah. Mike, this is very similar. I know three of us are fans of uh, the most recent Across the Spider-Verse movie uh, there that came out. That also featured an alternate reality where Gwen Stacy is the Spider-Man. Peter Parker is the one who dies, becomes Lizard or what have you. So th- we get that in a way here. We get the reverse. It is now Steve who's the one that everyone is trying to bring back instead of Bucky. Bucky is the freaking Secretary of State in this particular episode. She's the Captain America trying to bring back someone that she loves from the dark side and all of that. So what do you think of this episode and how it laid itself out and how it kept going all the way leading to the situation with the Red Room and that that town that we saw in Black Widow? What do you think of this? This episode is fucking great. <laughs> like, I there forgot. Like, I knew, like, as soon as I saw the title, I was like, okay, this is the one. You know, I get excited every morning for a new Marvel what if, and I woke up yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay, this is the one we saw at Comic-Con, but it'll be fun to watch again to remind myself. And then I watched it and I was like, fuck, this is good. Mm. Like, it is... Okay, first of all, it picks up, like, we did get, like, that final post-credit sequence in season one of What If, which we saw Black Widow and Peggy kind of on the boat circa Winter Winter Soldier, uh, Captain America 2, coming up and seeing that the Hydra Stomper was in there. And so we picked up that thread, so it kind of connects to season one. Peggy Carter, I mean, as we were saying earlier... Peggy Carter is just one of the unsung heroes of, I mean, I guess she's a sung hero because we all love her, but like, she's, she's such a great, who knew they would keep coming back to Peggy Carter and that she would be the gift that keeps on giving. And whether it's Peggy Carter in our main MCU timeline kind of showing up or getting to see Captain Carter, like she's just great. Um, And then getting that little tag at the beginning where we get to see sort of the alternate, this alternate world's Avengers kind of wrapping things up with Chitauri. So we get like a really nice sort of Avengers Easter egg before diving into a Captain America Winter Soldier kind of turned on its head episode that leads us into colliding with Black Widow, which is cool because this is the first what if episode that has touched on uh phase four phase you know like this is the first time we've delved into characters that we've met more recently everything else has sort of still been in that phases one two and three um so it's nice to see some of the newer characters uh jumping in like rachel weiss Mm -hmm. but yeah this episode does perfectly what we've been talking about it's taking all these characters and going look no matter what happens with peggy and steve even if Peggy's the one that jumped forward and Steve is all of a sudden in the Bucky role and Bucky is the one who's lived, like they moved everyone around, but Bucky's always going to stand up for Cap. Right. Peggy and Steve are always going to connect with each other across the decades. And so seeing all those place, things fall into place. And in addition, taking that really great, you know, I think that Captain America Winter Soldier is when Scarlett Johansson really fell into the role of Black Widow. Mm -hmm. I think that's where she really started to shine. And it was that relationship between her and Steve that really worked. So taking that and making Peggy and um, Natasha these besties, Mm -hmm. it just, it, it works because 
it feels the same but different. And so taking all of these threads and tying them together, I think it was just masterfully done. And then in addition, just from a visual art direction standpoint, some of the yeah. stuff in this episode is just absolutely fabulous. Like Hydra Stomper's attack on shield is just fantastic. Um, and then everything in that town with those creepy fucking mannequins, you know, particularly there's the moment where uh, they get knocked into a kind of dark, uh, shack mm -hmm. and you have these great shots of black widow fighting the other black widows with just sort of silhouetted with the light coming through and you're just yeah. from an art direction standpoint like this is all feature quality stuff like some of these situations um so i think it was just a win and then you know you get to the end anytime you put peggy and steve together and one of them makes a sacrifice it is satisfying every single time and mm -hmm. this one is no different so i i think this is like maybe one of the best episodes of both seasons I think that's a fair point. I, I agree. I, I really love this episode. I just enjoyed the emotional story. You know, I love last episode, uh, episode four, rather, is a lot of fun. It's great. You know, Mad Max, Mario Kart, witty repartee. This is my jam. I love this kind of Marvel. But what keeps me coming back to Marvel are the human stories, the real emotional stories, the connection. Certainly Peggy and Steve being at the top, as, as uh, Shannon said, that is so important when you connect into that. And like you said earlier, Michael, we get these heroes who always do the right thing at the critical moment, right? Like we saw in episode four, we saw that again, episode five, Steve, without saying a word, looks up, makes the decision, doesn't say goodbye to her, and just essentially, just like he did with the plane, he ends up sacrificing himself to essentially stop all this from happening and, and, and save Peggy, yet again, save the world, save uh, uh, that universe, shall we say, in his own sacrifice. And Melina gets yanked up as part of it by the by the way great stuff with the Melina. i mean i was loving the Melina back and forth yeah with her and uh and um lake bell there as black widow i think that's racial vice there great back and forth with them and what it leads to and her anger and all of that and great yeah you're right the sequence where they're chasing her in slow motion seeing the widows go across that fence which was very similar to avengers 2 i thought that was very funny to see that uh there in that sequence there but the battle then the emotion the conversation when they're on that uh what was it a, a gondola whatever they're standing in and having a conversation gazebo it's a gazebo, that's a, it's a gazebo. gazebo. i knew it was gondola a is a different thing yeah. <laughs> either way it's a g gazebo <laughs> there looking out <laughs> and all this stuff and and getting the emotions and the conversations and so you connect and you think it's possible yeah. because josh keaton does such a great job you know our friend josh keaton doing such a great job voicing over the character of steve really nailing the honesty and um wholesomeness of steve and then at the end, as I said, making that sacrifice. So you're dialed into this. But I love that they're taking elements of Winter Soldier and turning it into this particular episode as Bucky Barnes, instead of Robert Redford, is, you know, Sebastian Stan standing in, is the Secretary of State here, uh, getting Brock Rumlow to come back, getting Grillo yeah. to come back. All of those things were great as variations of Winter Soldier, one of the best films in the MCU. So that was a lot of fun experiencing this throughout the episode. Uh, yeah. I just think, I mean, and, and just from a, yeah. you know, this is, and this is, a, this is that line between what you need to do to make an episode work yeah, yeah, and yeah. what you don't need to do, but you do anyway to make an episode great. Frank Grillo, you don't need to bring him back for this. Right. You're right. Like there, like there's, we're not even touching on the Hydra stuff. We're not yeah. touching on his character stuff. Like it is just, he was one of the people in Winter Soldier that was on those teams and he was in the movie. So bringing him back for this, for the part that he has, 
it all it does is it gives it that little bit of extra mm-hmm. it, like it's 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 not necessary but it just gives you that extra special sauce that goes oh yeah this is this is winter soldier like we're yeah. in winter soldier right now and i thought it was a really nice touch to have him be the guy that was there uh trying to get bucky to safety when it was it could have been anybody and it would have worked fine yeah uh shannon what do you think of the humor here you know you're, you're a person who's very hard on the writers when they come to humor <laughs> There's an unnecessary dad rock joke about John Mellencamp. Don't come for John Mellencamp. I know you guys want to be cool, ladies, but don't come for John Mellencamp. He was making rebel music back in the 80s. Need I remind you, Scarecrow, one of the best fucking albums ever made. That being said, I thought that joke was funny here. The back and forth. What's that? I'm not a dad. dad. Uh, The way they went back and forth about certain uh, things. Did you like this twosome? Uh, widow and uh and um and peggy carter here agent carter here or sorry uh what is it captain carter captain here. carter what did you think of their interactions here do you see a future series with these two or is it just fun to get as much as we get here and whatever well i mean it, i think the idea of a of a series of nat and peggy going off and uh, on adventures sounds fantastic i don't think that'll happen necessarily i mean outside of the confines of what if right um, as peggy carter is the character that we kind of keep coming back to and coming back to um i'd be curious how they recorded this dialogue because lake bell and mm. Haley atwell as it's put together by the engineers they have great chemistry i mean they yes. have a great they have a great back and forth and like we knew that Haley atwell was fantastic um but lake bell channeling scarlett johansson also really, really good. And to throw in um, Rachel Weiss in there as well. I mean, as she's coaching <laughs> yeah. the other widows how to take Natasha down, like, you know, her left knee, she, you know, she heard it on a bike and when she was eight, yeah. bang. I mean, that was just, we're, we're so into the action, but at the same time, it's really, really funny that this is her mom who's, who's, who's coaching her sisters on how to take her down. And yeah. just one thing about the Winter Soldier references, um, one of my favorite parts in that is when Steve is, is first pursuing the Winter Soldier and he's using his shield to go through doors and to go through walls. Mm. And we get that same scene, but instead of going through walls, they're going through floors. Yeah. Like she's holding <laughs> on to the Hydra stomper sure. using the shield and we get that oh. nice wide shot of bang, bang, bang. Again, it's just so... So well done. I mean, the animation writers and, and all of the uh, animators are just, they're, yeah. they're just doing great work. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is like, that's a great example of like, hey, guys, we're, we're doing Winter Soldier. Yeah. What are yeah. the things that we love the most? Like, we want to have an attack on S.H.I.E.L.D., we want to do this, but you're absolutely right. They 100% were like, oh, that scene in Winter Soldier is so iconic, and we can do it this way. Let's really go for it. Yeah. Um, and then to what you're saying, John, like, the comedy is just... The banter between Peggy and Natasha is so yeah. good, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and they they do the same thing they do in Winter Soldier. I mean, what? It's the RoboCop reference. Peggy's like they're gonna freeze him in carbonite, and, you know, like all <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah. And then even just like the oh yeah, maybe I should do like a how-to book or something, you know? Like they just they 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 maintain this great rapport between the two of them. That really, I mean, I think you're right. I don't think that we're gonna get a Natasha and Peggy on the road kind of show, but. I'd be down for it if we did. I mean, these characters yeah. really, really work together. Yeah, in essence, they're the female version of Tony and um, uh, Tony and Cap. Like they, they've got the different approach going at it, and it's the female version, which means where Tony and Cap maybe ball bust or give each other a little crap, they're much more supportive in the female approach of things and the way they're doing it. So I'd love to see this relationship yeah. more and see their approach to it. See they see him in different situations, and I'd love it if there's a moment where they where you know Natasha does a certain thing because remember. Natasha is built to do certain things to survive. She does something that really gets on Peggy's nerves or really angers Peggy, much like what happened with Cap and Tony when Cap 
you know, did that thing and screwed over Tony to save his friend. Yeah. I would love to see that as <laughs> a part of this to be an interesting element. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Cap should have put, put in jail for what he did. Relitigating oh. this case again? I know. <laughs> Listen. Okay. <laughs> Forever I will litigate that case. Without <laughs> Uh, anyway, all right. Any final words on this particular episode here? Episode uh, five uh, from uh, from uh, What If season two. Well, Jim. I mean, we did. You know, we've been talking a lot about is there going to be some bigger connective tissue over yes, the season? Again. And yes, yeah. we. I mean, it, yes, we are. Looks like going to because <laughs> Peggy Carter does get sucked into. I I was I think I said we talked about this in the trailers, but pretty much looks like the 1602 universe to me. So, yep, yep. Uh, you know, we got uh, Elizabeth Olsen there as the Scarlet Witch. We got Scarlet Witch and Nick Fury showing up uh, looking like they're in total Ren Faire garb. And <laughs> Peggy Carter got sucked into this universe to save the day. So I have a feeling to Shannon's point, one of the reasons this episode is placed where it is. And I might be wrong and mm. we'll see. But with only what we've had five episodes and we have four left. Is that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have four episodes left. Um, kind of feel like these next four episodes, even if the whole episode isn't about it, we're going to start seeing the connective things. And yeah. I think we're going to get some kind of 1602 vibe of an episode, maybe as the finale or something like that. But I think we will have, it probably won't be the full connection like season one with the entire Guardians of the Multiverse, yeah. but we are going to get at least some kind of little arc in there, which I think is going to be really cool. And I always love seeing Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah, and that is Elizabeth. That is Elizabeth Olsen. So, but I feel bad for Peggy. I mean, you talk about jumping time zones uh, messing you up. I can't imagine jumping time periods. How that is messing you up, going from one to the present, now back all the way to sixteen oh two. Be interesting to see what we're going to get here as the episodes go along. Uh, my uh, Shannon, any final words? We good? No, no. Uh, <laughs> having just read sixteen oh two not that ooh, long ago, nice. um, within the last six months, I'm like, ooh, I'm very excited to see what this looks like. Yeah, you all have. Uh, if you have time. Go and take a look at 1602. I'm sure it's available online somewhere. Um, it sure is. All right. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate it, Matley. That's our spoiler review for episodes four and five here on the Geek Bites. Brought to you from the Geek Buddies. Thanks so much. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca and let him know that Steve did what he had to do for his friend, it's <laughs> at The Roca Says. Jesus. Don't even get me started. Uh, Michael, <laughs> please. Well, after you tell John Roca that he is wrong, you can also smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, leave your comments below. What do you think of these two episodes? Where do you think season two is going? Where do you think of what if overall? Let us know below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yeah, because we all know Cap would be totally cool if Tony hid from him that his best friend killed peggy right i mean i'm sure cap would just be like oh okay i understand why you oh looks like we're running out of time on these geek fights oh. anyway <laughs> we love you all madly if you're watching this in real time today as we're dropping it here on uh tuesday the 26th at 5 p.m pt live we are back to do our review of aquaman 2 trust me you don't want to miss that conversation <laughs> aquaman the lost kingdom uh but until then we'll talk to you next time with another brand new uh spoiler review of what if here on the geek bites brought to you by the geek buddies <gasps> hey!
every five minutes. A transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.